Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Welcome to the University of Houston Muslim Student Association podcast show, volume 1, episode 2. The mission of the UH MSA podcast is to discuss contemporary issues, raise social awareness, and encourage Muslim students to become contributing members of our ummah. I am your host, Wasik Javid, and today's episode is on the intersection of Muslims and art with student artists Muhammad Yunus and Lena Habazi. Muhammad Kairizman is an actor, poet, and vintage curator based in Houston, Texas. Kairizman is the founder and co-slam captain of the legendary Kook Slam. Kook Slam, the University of Houston's first poetry community and slam team. In their first year, Kook Slam hosted the College Union Poetry Slam Invitational and earned fourth in the nation. Kai Risman is currently a Bachelor of Fine Arts acting major in the University of Houston's Catherine McGovern College of the Arts. He has worked with the Classical Theater, Stages Repertory Theater, Match, Theater 66, Queensberry Theater, and Theater Under the Stars. He is a teaching artist with Writers in the Schools and Tribble School of Art. Additionally, Kai Risman is the owner and CEO of Secondhand Scoops, a global online vintage resale store. Through acting, poetry, and clothing, Kai Risman hopes to elevate marginalized voices. Kairisman is currently working on his first chapbook and a spoken word play titled White Noise. Lena Habazi is a Palestinian-American artist and software developer based in Houston, Texas. She is currently studying computer science and studio art at the University of Houston and is set to graduate in May 2020. Born and raised in cities around the United States in the Middle East, has introduced her to nuances of culture and language which have shaped her identity and influenced her work. Personal interests and experiences can be found throughout her art while addressing a larger collective identity. She loves sharing her passion and works with various organizations to conduct art-inspired workshops to encourage creative individual expression. Her upcoming group show, Remembering, addresses loss of touch with aspects of identity and the process of remembering all of the factors which make us who we are. It will be on view beginning April 3rd at Third Space Gallery at the University of Houston School of Art. You can find her work currently on display at the Nook Cafe. Welcome to the show, Lena Habazi, Muhammad Karizman. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. Alhamdulillah. So we're honored, honestly, UH MSA, to invite you guys as influencers, as artists, as students. Many people have heard of you guys and bits and pieces on campus. Both of you guys wear many different hats. Muhammad, people may know you through Kook Sam. People may know you through being an actor. People may know you as just a dope MC. Lena Habazi, we know you as a social justice activist. We go to the nook. We're sipping on some coffee. I look <laughs> up. I see Lena's work. It's so amazing. But today on this podcast, I want you guys to share, and Muhammad will start with you, to share your personal journey through being an artist. How did your journey begin and what influenced you to create art? So you want the long answer? <laughs> I want the long answer, bro. <laughs> so it all started in eighth grade. I just moved out of my parents' house, uh, and I lived with my older brother, Indra, in A-Leaf for about two, three years. Um, and around this time, I had just been reintroduced to rap ciphers, rap battles. Um, and I am a wordsmith. I wrote a lot of poetry, but I didn't have a lot of performance experience at all. I didn't even really know any type of hip-hop music. Mm. Um, I started rapping before I started listening to rap, which wow. was a very interesting backward entrance into the genre. Mm. <laughs> but super thankful. But um, but this this these these street ciphers is where I started. 
Um, this idea of honing in your improvisational skills, honing in your vocabulary and your word mastery and being able to hold a crowd. Mm. Uh, I didn't come from a lot of technique training necessarily, but I came with a lot of experience. Uh, my 12th grade year of high school, I had the opportunity to do this show called In the Heights, which is a hip hop musical written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, before he dropped Hamilton. So, you know, I'm this OG OG mm, before the OG. For sure. Um, and I had an opportunity to play Usnavi. And it was just a beautiful show. It was a show that resonated with me. It was a show that asked the audience and its actors what home is, what home looks like for you. And being someone who has been fighting so hard to find my place, my home, my spot, my people, my community in the Heights just blew my doors wide open and bonus round from there is we create a beautiful show and I got uh, nominated uh, for the Tommy Toon Awards, which is the Tony Award version um, at the high school musical level for Houston students. Wow, mashallah. Um, and so I got nominated for best actor uh, in this Tommy Toon Awards and this was 2016 and I won. Um, did not expect to win. I didn't know how to read music. I didn't know what a measure was. I didn't know how to dance. I didn't know anything. I just knew that I know how to rap. <laughs> and that's what I brought to the table. Yeah. Um, and not realizing that I already gained all these other things, rhythm, musicality, cadence, um, uh, style. Uh, I already gained all these things from the street ciphers. I gained all these things from speech and debate competing every single weekend. Um, in acting events, basically. Uh, and so I went Tommy Tunes and they said, Muhammad Yunus, uh, won the best, best actor award. And it was just this moment of humbling because I didn't know I was enough. You know, I mean, if the best yeah. actor Tommy Tune award is whatever the highest bar is at the Houston level, I didn't know I was in the room. You know, I didn't even know I was even in the conversation and then I won it mm. and I got the opportunity to perform at the national level at this award show called the Jimmy Awards. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, a two week Broadway intensive training boot camp. And at the end of it, we perform on Broadway. And so I got to make my Broadway debut at 18 on the Minskoff stage, which is the Lion wow. King stage. That is huge. Um, and yeah, and it just blew my mind because I was like, I'm just... Brown boy from A Leaf, yeah. literally brown boy from A Leaf. Representing like no type of no type of music lessons, no type of whatever. I don't have these resources. I didn't have the fam familial support um, to pursue the arts and the universe. Like literally the universe, like Allah, like God, like actual, Allah, yeah. actually. Because I was like, if this, if I was <laughs> every, if, if if we weren't human beings, everything in the world said I'm not supposed to be doing this thing that I am doing. Mm. And I got to be on the top of Pride Rock and I saw it. I saw it all. And then later on that same year, I got the opportunity, opportunity to see Hamilton. And I said, if that's the top of Broadway right now in this generation, I'm more than capable. And from there, I pursued training now at the University of Houston because I knew I wanted to get a classical training. I wanted to have a program that emphasized language-based training because more than anything, I'm not necessarily an actor or a rapper or a poet. I am a wordsmith. That mm. is what I view myself as. And so a lot of my artistry deals with language. 
um, the same way Lena's deal with art in certain ways. Um, and so I wanted to be trained in words, not in acting, not in poetry, not in performance. I wanted someone to teach me how to be the illest word guy in the game. Mm. Um, and so now I'm, I'm about to finish up my time at U of H. And as I look back on it, I guess it all just started with AJ putting me in that rap cipher in eighth grade. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> if AJ had never done that, I would have never spent my first verse. I would have never been roasted. I would have never <laughs> been humiliated. You know what I mean? And I would have never gotten that fire that reinvigorated and introduced me to performance as a career path, as a way of life. And actually, like throughout my high school, middle school, like I've tried to quit theater multiple times, <laughs> multiple times. Why, why is that? Um, I just didn't think I was allowed to do it. I didn't think I could sing. So I didn't know if I was allowed to be in musicals. There weren't characters that looked like me. There were, we weren't doing shows that involved people named Muhammad. We didn't do shows that involved Islam in any way. We didn't do shows that involved immigrants until in the Heights. And so. I didn't know that theater had a place for brown people straight up <laughs> just because yeah. I didn't get that Very exposure. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Where's the Asian guy? Mm. Where's the dude from Indonesia? Right. Specifically. Right, right. Where's the guy from Chimahi from Bandung? You know, like there's no stories about me yet. Mm -hmm. At least none that I've gotten the opportunity to explore yet. Let's turn over to Lena Habazi. Uh, Lena, I want you to provide for us your personal journey through being an artist. How did it begin and what influenced you to create your art? Yeah, I actually hearing Muhammad what you had to say about like knowing what you're allowed to make art about. Like I totally relate to that. Um, when I, when I moved to Houston, but before like backtracking that, I started making art like as early as I can remember. Mm -hmm. I was a little kid. I used to love like writing stories and I would always illustrate like the little pages of the characters that I came up with. Um, the writing was no good, but I loved <laughs> drawing more than anything. Um, and I had a cousin who I admired a lot and she had like a giant art kit and I would always watch her making like her anime characters. So when I saw, when I watched her making art, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, but I think the, the time when I noticed like I could do this for real and, I knew that I was good at it was in middle school. I was, I applied to a specialty art program, um, going into high school and I got accepted. So the ninth grade, I, um, I would go for like two blocks out of the day and just make art in this like specialty art class from like out of students from all different high schools. Um, so that moment when my parents like, told me and encouraged me to apply for that. I knew I had their support and I felt more confident in making my art and knowing that like I was kind of ahead of the game that I was being taught by some really great teachers. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm still in touch and inspired by those teachers who taught me today. So, and that was when I lived in Virginia, I was born and raised in Virginia, I see, yeah. which, you know, relating to what you said, that was a very non-Muslim, not diverse school system city. But when I moved to Houston, I, and I met a lot of other people who were like me, I, n not necessarily artists, but just students and young people who were Arab and American, I felt like I could say something about that. And I had a, an experience that I could relate to other people with and not necessarily just Arab Americans, but like everything dash American. Like mm -hmm. there was something to say about that in my art. Um, so that really inspired me. Um, and that's what you can see in my art for the most part today.
How does your faith influence you in creating art, if so? I don't think my my faith is very easily found in my art. I do have some some pieces that reference like Islam, um, and I have a lot of work that has Arabic calligraphy in it, which I love and I'm trying to learn more, and I've been appreciating. Um, but I think the the biggest part of my art that references myself as a Muslim artist is the fact that that's what it is. Like I'm a Muslim artist making this work. And even if it doesn't have to do with being, if it doesn't have any like references to Islam in it, it's still significant that it's coming from a Muslim artist. Mm. And that's the Muslim perspective. Right. Um, and a lot of other Muslims, no matter what their ethnic origin is, they can relate to that. Right. And, you know, I think we were having a conversation before the session began and, you know, you were telling me about how, you know, for a lot of people, when they think of an Islamic art, they think of it in certain categories. That Islamic art is calligraphy or Islamic art yeah, is, you know, this architecture that we'll only find in this region of the world. Yeah. But, but for you, what you're sharing is that, you know, you are a Muslim who is an artist. Yeah. I'm an artist who's a Muslim. You're an artist who's yeah. a Muslim. Explain that to me. Well, I think that relates to like any aspect of my identity, even myself as a Palestinian or Palestinian American, like you can find a lot of those, you know, hints of that in my art, but I don't necessarily categorize myself as just my art is just about being Palestinian or it's just about being a Muslim or it's just be about being an American, you know, between two identities. I feel like there's so much more and like, there's not even a word for it or it's, it's like, yeah, you can't put a word on it. It's a lot of words and it's a lot of images. And that's what I'm, what my art is about. I don't like putting myself, you know, I don't like labeling my art or putting myself in a box, which I know a lot of people proudly identify as like, I mean, my art is under the Islamic art category, which is amazing because that art is beautiful and I could never <laughs> make art as beautiful as that. But, um, yet. I think, I think, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yet, yes. yet, but I just find my art to be more, um, more diverse and it doesn't fit into one category. I think that's very, very inspiring to hear. And so Muhammad, what are your thoughts on that? How does your faith influence you in creating art? If so. So I come from a broken household. I love my parents to death. Like, alhamdulillah, like shout out to my dad and my mom for being my dad and my mom. But respectfully, for the large part of my life, they weren't present within my life. And so my brothers were really like my parents, my support system, my everything. And when I came to the decision that I wanted to pursue acting after seeing Kinky Boots, I remember I was playing Asr at the Savoy Musalla um, in A-Leaf with my older brother, Indra. And we had just taken wudu. We're taking wudu. And I'm washing my hands and I tell Indra, I want to be an actor. And that was like the scariest sentence I've ever done in my life. Wow. And I'm literally like, like, Washing my hands, like poetic, real poetic things going yeah. down. Washing my hands. I tell my brother, I want to be an actor. And he said, no, it's too dangerous. And I just start crying. I'm crying. I'm making wudu. I'm washing the tears off my face. So I'm crying so hard. How old were you? And, um, so I'm 17. I'm crying because it's just like everything in my body everything in my soul, everything in my brain. Like I am a highly intelligent human being. I'm not pursuing this from a, oh man, it's just my heart. And it's always been my dream. Like, no, like logically I have the tools to pursue this and I have something to say and I know I can do this. And this is before the awards, before Broadway, before anything, before any type of tangible 
proof, I guess, that I am capable of doing the things I said I am capable of doing. And so it was just this feeling, this feeling, and I'm crying and we're praying Usr. He's leading prayer. And we go into the first ruku and I break, man. I'm broke. I'm audibly just sobbing and I'm literally praying to Allah. I'm like, if you're real, then I know I can't fail because you got me, right? And I'm crying because I just, I don't know. I can't hear him. I can't hear God. I can't hear Allah. I'm just praying and I'm just hoping he hears me and I'm hoping what I'm saying is enough. And I'm hoping that the sincerity is honest. And I'm like, I don't want this for the fame. I don't want this for whatever the BS is. I just know I'm meant to be doing this and you made me like this. So please help me. And we go into sujood and cry. And at the end of it, Assalamualaikum, Assalamualaikum, we finish the prayer. And I tell Indra, who is my dad, who is my mom, who is my older brother, who has been my caregiver for as long as I can remember. I tell him, if you're not going to be there for me, then I'll do it alone. And I think that sentence just defined who I am as an artist. Not because I don't need people. I wouldn't be here without people, period. Um, but it was just this aspect that if I were to lose my last bit of family because of this art, I would be willing to. Because I know I, ha I have to. Um, and so the question is, does my Islam influence my art? I mean, yeah. I mean, so similar to what Lena is saying, just the fact that I am Muslim creating art invariably makes my art Islam. Whether I'm talking about like corner store snacks or whether I'm talking about my name, whether I'm talking about theater, whatever I'm talking about, whatever. Um, like the fact that Muhammad is saying the words, mm -hmm. it becomes Islamic yeah, because exactly. that care, this body, our, our, our identity, our actual selves carries a narrative. And so the answer is everything. Every single thing I do is Islamic. Even the things that are very not Islamic, um, because I am doing it becomes Islam, becomes a reflection of this religion, this way of life, or at the very least becomes a reflection of what Islam means to me. Lena, I've stalked your Instagram many times. <laughs> Uh, and I really admire your connection to museums, your connection to history, your connection to this lost identity. And so I want to ask you, when you make art, has there ever been a time where someone walks through your art or sees your art and does not appreciate it? And if they don't, how do you deal with that? I don't think there's ever been a time where someone like outright does not appreciate my art or has maybe there has but they've never told it to me. Um, but definitely like in my, in my art classes, a lot of the work that you see on my page, I've made for my art classes, like for as assignments. And like, we would have a critique over them. And like, if you're an art student, you know, critiques can be brutal. And like, people will just ask you questions and like, ask you, why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? Like, what does that mean? And if they don't understand it, they'll like try to label it or like see something else in it. And that's okay, I've learned. And it kind of makes you stronger and it makes you understand how 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 art can just be interpreted as anything by anyone. So it's my job to like tell my story and say what I want to say, but people will always have their opinions. 
And I try my best, like in these critiques and whenever people approach me about my art, I try my best to give them my perspective, but I don't try to um, tell them what it has to be, right? Because when I go to like a museum, for example, or when I take my friends to museums who are not artists, like I notice that sometimes people struggle with mm. understanding and approaching art that is not easy to consume. They can't appreciate it. They can't appreciate it or they just don't know how. Mm. So I recently did a Girl Scout workshop with a troop in my in my community. And we part of that workshop was going to an art museum, going to the MFAH and just looking at art and asking, you know, those hard questions like, is this a good piece of art? Is this a bad piece of art? Like, what does that even mean? And I really tried to push that idea of there's no such thing as a bad piece of art. You know, it's really up to you. It's totally subjective. And you cannot like a piece of art. There are so many artists who I can't even look at their art because mm -hmm. it makes me feel a certain way that I don't mm -hmm. like. And that's okay. But that doesn't mean it's a bad piece of art. So I think it's important to like be very open-minded when you look at art and try to put your own yourself inside that piece of art or imagine where the artist was coming from and interpret the piece of art based on who you are. Because whatever you put into art is what you get out. And that's I think that's how interpretation works. And I will probably see a piece of art and think of it entirely differently as the person next to me. And that's okay. That's right. that's the whole point. So the next question I have for you, Muhammad, do you feel any pressure from your Muslim peers being an artist? Are you perceived differently in the Muslim community? Do you feel there is any stigma in any sort of way being a Muslim artist? So it's like a dual factor, right? Um, yes, there is a lot of pressure. Um, but it used to be that the Muslim community gave me pressure in the sense that like, yo, like, this is not very Islamic. You shouldn't be doing this. Why are you rapping over these beats that are not percussion? Why are you doing X, Y, and Z? And I would have to just keep on proving myself. And it was a lot of pressure because truthfully, like in Houston, I literally know only one other Muslim actor personally on a personal note, like someone who is currently a professional actor. And then moreover within that, I don't know anybody um, that is a Muslim, American, immigrant, actor, poet, MC, vintage curator. Like the things that I do specifically, I don't have a contemporary, at least within the city. Um, I have a lot of contemporaries within the different hats I wear, but um, it's a lot of pressure because the more I talk to the Muslim community and the more that I perform for Muslims, I realize that to them, I am in the after portion of my life. They don't get that this is the before. This is the grind. This is the hustle. This is the sleepless nights. This is the broke. This is the lonely. This is the frustration. This is the 10,000 hours, right? This isn't the just dropped into heights, you know, on Broadway winning all the Tony Awards. This is not... This is not, uh, Jordan winning his another ring. You know what I mean? Like, this is not that yet, but it's interesting because I deal with, I have to carry two things. I, at this point within this, this section of the world, within Houston, this city, for Muslims, no one else is doing things at my caliber, at the very least within the genre that I am pursuing in from the Muslim community. There are people that are killing it. You know, I mean, not from the Muslim community, but from the Muslim community, there's no one else moving, at least at my caliber. And so for better or worse, I am the bar right now. 
And so I'm being reached out by young Muslim actors and poets asking for advice, seeking mentorship, seeking help. And it just blows my mind because I'm like, man, like, oh, God, I don't know. I really, I don't, I don't. Um, I know what worked for me. I know things that may help. But the worst part about artistry is that there is no blueprint. You know, there's there's people that you can inspire and work towards, but there's no step to step guide on how to create your art because everyone kind of goes through their own unique path. For sure, way. for sure. And for the longest time, I really did view myself. I was like, oh man, the Muslim community sucks. I hate this Muslim community. Man, no one understands. Ah, da, da, da. Why is this uncle telling me this? Ah, like, da, da, da. and I was angry. Uncles. You know, I was angry. I was angry for a while. And my brothers will tell you, I was angry for a while. But then this past uh, month, I got to MC like the Lone Star Council's open mic. And that was my first time being in a Muslim space in like a year. You know, um, as unfortunate as that is to say, because I think like as I went further into my artistry, I started distancing myself from the Muslim community because I was just tired of explaining myself to people. Um, and that doesn't mean that I don't pray. That doesn't mean that I'm not still Muslim. That doesn't mean that I'm not still me. I'm not still Muhammad. But it's just this aspect of like, man, I really don't want to go to the masjid and explain why my poem was about drug and violence. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, that's my life. That's mm. what I experienced. Right. So that's what I write it's about. It's your voice. And your so, but then just going to this open mic that the Lone Star Council hosted uh, at Rice, I got to see like kids, man. Like there was like little kids and pa- their parents. And I got to see young artists, young Muslims perform. And to this day, the sisters are still spitting bars harder than the <laughs> brothers to this day. To this day. So brothers... Where you at? Where you at, fam? Um, Talking all that smack on the basketball court. Where the bar is at? Where your words at? But that's a whole different conversation. But it was just this, it was this beautiful, humbling moment because I realized that like I'm not alone. You know, I am creating and creating a path for me, but also I'm creating an avenue for other people that are trying to do things similar to what I'm doing, or I am re-energizing people that have been doing this because there are multiple people, Amir Safi, uh, Zainab Abazari, you know, there's like multiple Muslim artists that are in the city that have been doing it way longer than I have. But I feel like we felt that similar sense of distancing within the, um, from the Ummah. And so now at this point in my life, I'm in this place where I'm creating art for me, for Muhammad. And if that is beneficial for the Muslim community, then I'm thankful. But if it's not, it's also still my art. And I think that's the best part because it's like, if you hate my art, then make some yourself. You know what I mean? For real. Please. And so it's this balance of me learning to re-love the Muslim community, understanding that they are unlearning past expectations. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to see this support from these younger Muslims and I'm starting to see support from these older uncles and aunties and I'm starting to see the support and I'm starting to see it slowly because now they're trying to learn how do I even support someone like Muhammad um, and I'm how seeing how would you answer that um, how can we you know you just explain you know, easy you, your struggle go for it drop the bars pay your artists what they're worth and on time 
dude, as like people are like, yo, if you're in it for the money, why'd you pursue art? Man, if you're a human being, why do you need capitalism? Like, shut up. <laughs> for real, like pay your artists what they're worth and on time. Because if Muslims aren't telling our stories, then we're, our stories are not being told, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. At least not from our point of views, not from our perspective, not from us. And that is a responsibility to tell your story. And that's something no one else can do for you. But if Muslim storytellers are not being financially supported, and I say this specifically because this is grueling, yo. Like, we still got bills. We still got health issues. We still got car problems. Like, to financially support, to create a a financial support system to uplift Muslim artists, to create a space where... Yo, if you are a young artist at Lena's level and Lena wants to drop a gallery show, we have the space, we have the tools, we have the resources, and we have the marketing to back it up to help support your show. And that's a trust. That's an investment. And so there is no guarantee for return. For all you know, you could support Muhammad's poetry show and come out of it with a lot of backlash. And that's a possibility. But trusting, trusting that there's someone there for you. And if the financial support isn't there yet, because that's more pointed towards the organizational larger institution within the Muslim community, but to the individual, just be there for people. Literally be there. Go to their shows, um, like their posts, retweet their posts, tag them if you see something that they like, buy their merch, um, give them a hug. Say salam to them and reply. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Walaikum salam. Walaikum yeah. salam. Hit them with a Walaikum salam every now and then. Don't ask them immediately where they're from. Accept them as a Muslim first. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that if we start creating these positive, beneficial habits, um, because artistry is as hard as any other career. You know, when I, when I advocate for art, it's not, yo, like, screw STEM. It's just... We have a vocabulary to support people within the STEM world. We don't have a, Muslims don't have a vocabulary to support artists yet. At least we're learning, but we're, our language is still choppy. And so however you can support, support. Lena, how do you feel? Do you feel that you also hold the same stigma or you perceive differently in the Muslim community being a Muslim artist? Have you had any negative experiences perhaps or positive for that matter uh, within the Muslim community? Yeah, I don't think I necessarily face a stigma around my art. Um, and just hearing Muhammad's story, I think it kind of goes to show how differently perceived different forms of art are in the Muslim community. Mm. Like my, my paintings or my prints or, you know, 2D art, what is very commonly known when you say artwork is more easily accepted and consumed than music or poetry or you know theater and i don't think it's as common or hasn't been seen um as much in the muslim community so for me like i'm i'm very grateful that i haven't really faced that um but it goes to show like how we need to be more open about like the art that we appreciate all right lena i want you to walk me through your favorite piece of art and we're going to put this on the flyer so everyone's going to see it. I want you to describe in detail what inspired you to make this piece of art and what it means to you and what, what you want the audience to get away from it. 
Yeah, my favorite piece of art right now is one that I recently created. It is a silkscreen print um, of a Um Kulthum concert poster. And if you don't know who Um Kulthum is, she's one of the most legendary Arabic singers of all time. Um, many generations have um, loved her music and the fact that... Um, the fact that like youth today still listen to her and appreciate her shows like how important she was. And I found while planning this, this print, I found a, an old concert poster from the 1930s and it's black and white and has like her portrait and just all in Arabic, the details of the show in Jerusalem in the 1930s. So I, as soon as I saw that, I knew I had to recreate it. I wanted to reimagine what that would look like, what that concert would look like today in Al Quds, you know? So I translated on my own <laughs> all of the Arabic or most of the Arabic, the most important stuff and, um, and redesigned it to be a more modern, modern looking poster. And I just, I love this piece so much because this isn't something that you would see today. Obviously she's, um, she's passed away. She's, this is beyond her time, but, um, just imagining what an Arabic, artist would look like and what her poster would look like today in a free Palestine and a free Jerusalem that all Arabs could go visit and enjoy her music. That's what I wanted to recreate with this piece. That's very beautiful. So after hearing both of you guys' stories, what are some final words that you want your audience to take away from this conversation? Whether it be the way Muslims can support art, whether it be you know, you in your own background to appreciate the to appreciate you for who you are in your own artistry as Muslim artists. What is something that you want your audience to to take away? For me, I I just think be very open to like all the different forms of art, like we've said, and support artists, and don't be afraid to like approach artists and you know tell them that you support them because that's what motivates us to keep going. And no matter what, like you think. Like whatever, you know, take take from artists what you want and appreciate it as it is, even if it's not exactly like what you expect. Right. You know, as a Muslim artist, you might have an expectation of what that art should look like. But be very open. Talk to the artist and see what where they're coming from, because that might open your open your mind to what Islamic art could be. Mohammed? Mm. Yo, take the word hobby out of your vocabulary. Uh in all seriousness, uh showing love to artists by recognizing what they're doing is worthy, period. And and not belittling artists, not telling them that it's a cute hobby, not telling them that they can't do it. Like, the whole world is already telling us we can't do it. You know what I mean? We are already telling ourselves we can't do it. And so, if Muslims are meant to enjoy good and push away evil, then why would we not support each other? You're Muslim, right? I want you guys to plug in your shameless plugs. This is your time, your chance, your opportunity. Tell your audience to know about any upcoming shows or things that you guys have coming up. Lena? Yeah, I have um, an upcoming art show at the Third Space Gallery at um, the UH's Art School. And it's something that I've been working really hard on. A And I'm doing it along with a um, fellow UH alumni artist. Hidayah Kilani, some of you might know her um, from the art community. Um, and we've been working really hard and 
it's the title of the show is remembering with a dash between re and memoring. Mm. Um, and I was inspired by a quote by John Berger where he said, remembering literally means bringing members back together again. So <sighs> instead of just remembering as in memories, it, it really made me think of like my identity and all the different factors of it. And when we, we lose touch with identity, what, what's that process of bringing those things back into us? And that's what the art show will be about. Mohammed, you got any upcoming shows? This summer, I will be performing with the Houston Symphony again in a project called Resilient Sounds, where we take stories from refugees within the Houston community and we transpose it into an orchestration piece. Um, and I'll be performing um, some dialogue as well within it. And also, if you want to support Coog Slam, we are competing at the College Union Poetry Slam Invitational again uh, in a couple of months. And straight up, we need that guala. So we got so so hit up UH Coog Slam on all social medias to see how you can financially support these artists and make do for us, man, more than anything, because the world needs it. Well, thank you guys for sharing this beautiful conversation. I want everyone to walk away and listen from this podcast that we have local student artists on our campus. Muhammad Yunus, Lena Habazi walk the same Butler Plaza, walk the same PGH Breezeway. They are student artists that have shows, that have artwork, yeah. that have merch, yeah. that have open mics, but. that have everything at your disposal. And most of all, we pray that their art inspires and benefits this ummah. I mean, we, we invited both of these guests to share their individual stories, to utilize this platform, to destigmatize what it means to be a Muslim and an artist, and encourage others in the community to express themselves and hold their unique voice. And I want to end on with this one quote from the Quran. Allah says in the chapter of the poets that as for the poets, the ones who are astray, follow them closely. Don't you see how they wander about in every valley and limit the praise and disparagement? And then next after that, he says, except for those poets who believe and do righteous deeds and remember Allah much. And so we find that in this verse of the Quran, that as artists and as Muslims who are blessed with unique talents, we can utilize this to create social good. We can utilize this as a way to bring benefit where people can connect to your stories where people can connect to your identity and what you bring to the table and, and be inspired in, in whatever fashion, as Lena was mentioning, you know, whatever you take away from the art, whatever you take away, uh, as, as your message and your, 
uh, message of truth to you and yourself, hold that in and it is meant for you and specifically for you. Art is a way of connecting the human identity. Art is a way of connecting uh, us as Muslims. Art is a way of of bringing together uh, a collective social good so we can express our identities, express our our stories, express deep down what it is that we are passionate about. And through this, we we achieve so much and create such a difference in the world. So thank you guys again. We'll see you guys on the next show in two weeks. Thank you guys for listening. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam.